0: Welcome to Tech Intersect. I'm your host, Tanya Evans, and my life and work exist at the heart of law, business, and technology. Yeah, I've earned a few fancy titles and degrees over the years, but the bottom line is I'm a writer, speaker, teacher, and lifelong learner. And I'm really excited that you've joined me on this journey. So, what is Tech Intersect? Well, it's authentic, empowering conversations with really interesting guests who demystify complex topics to prepare you for the future, because your future is now, and it exists where law, business, and tech intersect. Get ready to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. In this episode of Tech Intersect, I speak with Mitchell Earle. Mitchell is a COO of Praxis, which is this really interesting business boot camp and job placement program for entrepreneurial young professionals who want more than college. He's the author of Don't Do Stuff You Hate, and previously, he took a long and winding road to what he does now, but every step of the way informs why he's so excellent at what he does. He's served as marketing director at a career launch startup. He was chief of staff at an accounting tech startup. And way back in the day, he was an early employee at a media startup. So he's had a long and very diverse and rich background. And when he started out in life, he was focused on success. He checked the boxes. I've done that myself. Now he's focused not only on his own fulfillment, but helping young entrepreneurs to find their way to fulfillment earlier rather than later in life. Now, before we dive into the episode, I want to let you know there's still a few spaces left for my upcoming Advantage Evans Academy course from Cash to Crypto. You'll hear more about that later in the app, ep- but I'm thrilled thrilled by the response, the enrollments, the enthusiasm for learning and earning in this new digital cash economy. So I hope you'll join me. Stay tuned midway through the show. I'll tell you more about it. Join us from cash to crypto, how to legally, safely, and confidently participate in the new digital cash economy. I'll teach you everything you need to learn, I know that this is a difficult space to break into, especially if you don't have a tech or finance background. I don't care about any of that. Uh, I want all non-technologists and those who are in a different tech sector who want to know more about cryptocurrencies and blockchain to join me, particularly women, people of color, those who are traditionally marginalized and underestimated in this space Don't miss the fourth industrial revolution. This is the new internet and you need to know about it. So please join me. More information at AdvantageEvans.com. Okay, time to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. Today, I am excited to finally connect and to speak with Praxis COO Mitchell Earle, who is also the author of Don't Do Stuff You Hate. Can't wait to talk about that. Now, he considers himself a generalist, and we will talk about that, too. But he's a generalist who's radical about self-directed living and also helping others, especially entrepreneurial students, to do the same. And that's because he's radical about creating a better future and helping others. We'll get into all of that and how Mitchell empowers students to find their dream jobs and prepares them for the future of work in a moment, because Mitchell students really need you in such a time as this. But first, a very warm Tech Intersect. Welcome.
1: Welcome. Yeah, thanks, Tanya. I am excited for our conversation and and happy to be here.
0: Awesome. So let's jump in. I like to start with your origin story because I think it really sets the context for the work that you do now. And it's important for people to hear the arc of someone's career and how they landed where they are. So talk to me about your origin story.
1: Yeah, that's that's the, the best place to start because what I get to do today is so much more rewarding and fulfilling because of my own personal career journey. I was, I was that kid who had my entire life planned out from like age six. I, you know, I was the high, high achieving academic minded student. I I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a pediatric neurosurgeon from age six. That was the the Mm -hmm. life plan. And it was this prestigious sounding thing that, you know, it, when, when people ask me, you know, what are you going to be when you grow up? I got to say this prestigious sounding thing that that pretty much had a template. And so uh, it was a very, a, a template that I, I, I could follow. I didn't have to think much beyond that because I had this plan. And when I got out into the real world or I got into college for the first time, I, I suddenly realized a lot of these assumptions I had about my life were, were wrong. I didn't necessarily Want to do this path that it always said? Um, I got exposed to a lot of different things. I got involved in an early stage startup. I started working a lot of different jobs, and I just started experimenting with different potential paths and, and figuring out some of the things that I was really good at and passionate about. And it kind of changed everything for me. And so, right. it, it, through through a process of experimentation and trying new things, I, I realized, hey, I want to work in this world of business. And I don't want to go to medical school. I don't really know how how to do that. So if not if not med- medical school, then obviously I've got to go to law school because that seems like the next best step. And so I, <laughs> I, I I started you know I started pivoting towards that, and I started working toward that new goal. And I got out into the real world for a couple of years. I I did a number of different things, working financial services. I was a legal aid for a small law firm, and did that for a while and and honestly, I, I just found that, you know, like the templated plans that I kept going back to, they, they didn't really fit what I was after because none of these preset paths really made sense to me. And as I tried more stuff and I gained more context for my interests and skills and, and the opportunities that were out there, I realized like the best way to go ahead was just kind of to forge my own path. There didn't have to be a template for it. And you know that's when I got involved with Praxis. That's when I ended up, you know, as an early employee at another very fast-growing startup, and and I got to kind of lean into my you know my my skill set as a generalist, and and got to be very involved as a company grew from you know around 20 employees to over 160 in a very short amount of time. And since then, the rest has kind of been history. Uh, you know, a lot a lot mm-hmm. has changed since then. But that was where I kind of found you know the the perfect culmination of my my skills, my my interests and what people valued in the real world. And so now it's a it's an exciting time. It's really rewarding to get to work with younger people as they kind of make that first leap into the real world as well and trying to figure out, you know, where their skills, interests and what other people value align as well.
0: Your story resonates with me so much because I remember as I was You know, I was that kid that certainly checked all the boxes, right, and and colored inside the lines because that was the, that was the template that if you do this, plug all of this in and the output is going to be success and fulfillment. And we have a lot of extrinsic definitions of what that looks like. And we'll talk about that in a moment, but I do want to turn inward now because so much of what you said about your story leads to this statement uh, that I'd like to explore. So you say, I think it's difficult to find real success unless you prioritize fulfillment. And so what I hear in your story is very much your path to that decision, that things that you were competent in didn't bring you joy or Success does not equate with fulfillment if there's a disconnect. So, talk to me about that.
1: Yeah, d- definitely. I I think that I I want to want to go out on a limb here and say that I'm not alone in that feeling. Uh, I think that you know, in particular for the ambitious, high achieving, academic minded young young person, like there's this there's often this temptation to to keep score in life based on other people's expectations and and your own. Progress compared to other people, compared to you know your, your classmates, or compared to you know the people in surrounding schools that were also successful, or once you get into college, you know your peers, and it's kind of this this rat race. I think that a lot of my my goals and and early ambitions were were derived from the expectations of other people. I remember as a young kid, you know, I got pegged as, "Hey, he's the smart kid because he reads a lot of books right. and you know he cares about his grades and." And that became a self-fulfilling prophecy in many in many ways. And as I think about the the targets I set my my gaze on, like a lot of those didn't come from within. They weren't things that I necessarily probably was most interested in, but I knew that it was the most impressive, sounding thing. It was the thing that fulfilled everybody's expectations. It was the thing that that led to, you know what I what I believed it was going to be a, a very profitable life. I, I figured, you know, hey, if I'm going to be a pediatric neurosurgeon, it's going to blow everybody's expectations out of the water. I'm going to make a lot of money and then I'll be happy and live happily ever after. And yeah. I think that in kind of every inflection point in my, my career and education, the the more titles and experiences and things that I accumulated that were, were not just unique to my own experience and interests, the more things I tried to do to impress other people or to prepare myself yeah. to be prepared. You know, impressive down the road at a future job. Like the emptier I felt. Like I remember, I remember reaching. This was a, 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 several years ago. You know, I I, I was working at a, a company that I loved, I was in a job that I loved, but I'd been there for a while, and everything had begun to get kind of rote. It, it, it kind of lost the the season. You know, the salt that that it once mm. once had. Like a lot of the things that I used to be really challenging. As I gained proficiency, no longer challenged me. And so that was kind of what made me come alive is, is the work of figuring out problems and figuring out how to help our business go to the next level. And, and once I kind of plateaued, I was making great money is in my, you know, mid twenties still. And, and I looked around and I was like, I don't know that I'm any happier now than when I was making half as much money. And, and I think that, you know, I, I, I left a, a great job and I went on to, to, to another, another role, you know, not long after that. And I I took a giant pay cut and, but I was involved in work that again, it was challenging. It was fulfilling. I was, you know, learning on the fly. I felt like I was making an impact. I felt like the company's success and my things I spent my time on, there was a, a direct tie between those and, and I was making less money, but somehow I was happier. And so I, the more I've looked back on my life and all these experiences, the more I've realized that the success and satisfaction out of life isn't about these external waves we all keep score it's not about what other people think when they look at your yeah. career it's it's more about you know do i do i love what i'm doing am i happy am i excited to get out of bed in the morning do i feel like i'm i'm making an impact do i feel like i'm using my talents am i challenged in my work like all of those internal things have just been so much more rewarding and had so much better you know roi than when I've been chasing you know those those external ways of keeping score.
0: And it's so important to, so as you're talking, and, and I'm thinking also of a book that you recommend to others by Roman Krasnarek, How to Find Fulfilling Work, that there's this laundry list of achievements. Some are extrinsic, some intrinsic, but the fact that success is part of fulfillment, but it's not the same thing, is how I'm experiencing it, right? So um, earning money. I like to earn money. That's great, but it's one thing. It is not the thing. Achieving status. So titles as an academic are important, sometimes more important than money, actually, that you're on the right track and you have the right title at the right time. And that's extrinsic, right? That's outward facing. Um, Making a difference straddles the line for me. It's listed as extrinsic Oh, excuse me. Making a difference is intrinsic. Right. Intrinsic. And that is, do I feel good about my contribution? Yeah. Right. Am I moving the needle? Am I making the difference? And for those particularly those entrepreneurial, high achieving students, that is. And uh, from a generational perspective, I think of Gen Xers, I think of millennials, certainly uh, even more so than Gen Xers. I'm a Gen Xer, so I'm kind of a, a box checker. (laughs) thank goodness for the millennials and the Gen Z that came after to say, hey, we want to feel good about this. (laughs) We don't always want to listen. We want to feel fulfilled. So I'm happy for that reminder and following your passions and using your talents that that to me is a bundle of achievements that lead to fulfillment. Uh, Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I I think that there's, there's a healthy mix across all those. I think, you know, the book you referenced, how to find fulfilling work is is awesome. There's another one uh, that I, I mm-hmm. frequently recommend called "How we, How Will You Measure Your Life" by by Clayton Christensen, who's a just brilliant mm-hmm. thinker. But he he talks about this other other side of the coin, and it's this this mix of of hygiene factors versus motivation factors, and mm-hmm. the hygiene factors are the things that are like. You know, you think of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like we we want it, we want to feel safe. We want to have protection. We want our basic needs met. We want to, you know, want to have a financially stable situation. We don't want to work with a boss that's mean. Like we want to work with good coworkers. Those are high those are hygiene. Like if those are out of balance, it's difficult to be happy, but those aren't the things that really get us going. Those motivation factors, you know, Feeling like you're making a difference, feeling like you're, you know, making making an impact on your work, you're using your skills, your challenge. Like there's a healthy balance of both of those that I think if they're either one of those are out of sync, it's very difficult in my mind to have fulfillment or to feel like a success. And but but if you don't have the motivation factors, Making more money isn't, isn't going to fill the, the void you're trying to fill. Having a more prestigious title isn't going to fill the void, maybe temporarily, but it's just you have to have kind of this healthy balance of all those things in order to, to really just you know be content with your station.
0: We hope you're enjoying this edition of Tech Intersect. Our conversation will continue in a moment, but first, a word on an exciting opportunity. There's a more cost-effective and time-efficient way to reach your leading-edge learning and earning goals to put you ahead of the stiff competition in this fast-paced, tech-driven economy. You need skills, credentials, and a fast track to a competitive advantage. You need it now more than ever, and I can help. Invest in the future you've always wanted, and in as little as three weeks, you'll be on your way to greater autonomy, control, and opportunity in your life. The Advantage Evans method puts you ahead of the curve with condensed, comprehensive online courses, curated content to leverage your current skills and expertise in order to succeed in the new economy, live coaching with me, networking opportunities, and a digital badge on completion. Upcoming courses include From Cash to Crypto, Buying Your First Bitcoin, and Register Right Protecting Your IP, Brand, and Business. Ready for your advantage? Well, get on the fast track to learn and earn at AdvantageEvans.com. And now, back to the conversation. What do you tell students when they feel that leading, but everyone around them who may not have an entrepreneurial spirit, may not have a growth mindset, may not be a lifelong learner, says, don't do that, get this good plain old job, and you'll be fine. <laughs> what do you tell them? Cause I'm sure students are up against it with some of the people to whom they turn for advice, support, and encouragement. Say, this is a horrible idea.
1: Yeah. I think we, well, I run into this all the time speaking with young people who they're struggling with going out, you know, breaking the mold, if you will, taking a path that's, that's right. a little bit less traveled. And a couple of things I always encourage young people to do is, is first of all, like nobody is trying to be malicious. Just use, be charitable in your interpretation of what other people are telling you. It's like they probably are, they probably do want the best for you. And their idea of what's best for you may be, it may not be what's best for you. It may be informed by their own experience or whatever. And so, like, you've got to justify that. But just like understand, most people, that are close to you and giving you advice. Like they, they truly are well-meaning. They have good intentions. So, so check that box. And then on the other side, it's like, what do you really want? You know, you may not have your entire life figured out, but if you choose, you know, you can, you can choose between what somebody else wants for you and what you're this other idea you're considering. Like if in a couple years you look back and you're unhappy down that path, somebody else went like, you know, like, that's on you. You made a decision based on somebody else's expectations. Like you are the one who has to live with the consequences of your decisions. So like mm-hmm. as you're making those tough decisions, just make sure you feel good about them and other people will get on board. They're not, you know, they're not going to just like stop loving you in most cases or or you know, stop mm-hmm. being friends with you if you you make a decision they disagree with, but they they want what's best for you and it's a lot easier to make those decisions if if you make them boldly. Rather than you know on the fence because if you're on the fence about a decision other people don't support uh, don't support that's a that's a lot that's a lot more difficult to proceed ahead I think so
0: absolutely you have to be on sure footing before you state because if you are wavering in the least then the 101 reasons you shouldn't do it uh, somebody's going to add 102 and tip you over <laughs> to a no safe over soul as I as I think about and I can imagine. All the things that you've said informed your decision to write. Don't do stuff you hate. So talk to us about that book.
1: Yeah, so a few years ago, I got the you know awesome opportunity to co-author a book with with Isaac Morehouse, who's the founder of Praxis, and that was that was an awesome undertaking, awesome project. So um, it, it's a collection of essays. and and different ideas on, you know, how to find satisfaction in life. And it's, you know, there's there's all these self-help and like coaching and career advice ideas out there. And I think that a lot of young people feel the pressure of some of this advice. It tends to say, hey, you need to figure out what you're going to do for the rest of your life. You need to go, you know, to college and study that thing maybe go to, to grad school and study that thing. And then you need to go you know, get internships and get, you need to like have this right. very linear path. And that's, that's a lot of pressure to feel like you have to know what you want to do for the rest of your life. And when I think about the ideas of don't do stuff you hate and the experiences that informed that, that book is, is like, I'm looking back on my own life and hmm. I, I didn't know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. The, the way that I figured that out was by trying a lot of things and then crossing things off the list that I didn't enjoy, that didn't bring me fulfillment. And the book very much talks about that decision-making process. Don't necessarily put all your chips in on the middle, you know, in the middle of the table because you feel like you have to have everything figured out. Go out there and accumulate experiences that are valuable to you. Try stuff, you know, narrow down your option set by trying things and then, running away from the things that make you feel bad inside. And and that process of elimination has been a lot more rewarding and fulfilling and and actually effective for me than just, uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, trying to make decisions about my future based on what other people expected from me. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business,
0: Yeah, that makes all the difference in the world. And I heard someone say recently, and it really resonated with me, that at this point in their life, they would rather disappoint others than themselves. And that's and great. I was like, that makes, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, and that's a very courageous stance. And that's not selfish. She's not coming from a selfish place. It's self full. It's making sure that you have everything that you need. It comes from the principle of put your own mask on first, which has a whole different meaning in the age of (laughs) COVID-19, get to that in a minute, but right, that you have to take care of yourself and really lead from the inside out is what I hear you saying. So that's really powerful. And in fact, because I mentioned COVID-19, we are recording on June 2nd in the midst of a pandemic and social unrest and so many things going on that are directly impacting students, those who are moving from high school onto college, those, a couple of graduates in my own family who are uncertain, they haven't had a proper graduation, one missed a prom that's going to be deferred. So how are you addressing those issues with the students of today in preparation for the future of work tomorrow? Because there's so many decisions that they can't make in the way that we did, and there has to be so much anxiety uh, in the midst of this uh, uncertainty.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great setup. There are so many things I probably want to dissect, and I want to start first with just the idea of, of keeping your options set open when you don't know what you want to do. I think a lot of young people mm. there's this this just intense pressure to feel like you have to go to college and and like I mentioned earlier you have to know what you want to do for the rest of your life and I think that more and more young people are looking at the generation before them they're looking at maybe an older sibling or even parents who feel like you know maybe they got sold a false bill of goods with with college in many cases where They thought that that was going to answer all the questions for them. That was going to lead directly to the career and and happiness. And it was going to be a very profitable decision. And and in many cases, you know, that works out. But I think what often happens is a lot of people go without a clear idea of what outcome they want. And in situations where young people have to take out a ton of debt, and they're going to college without a clear idea of what they want to get out of it, what career path they want, or how to maximize that time. It is just, it's overwhelmingly a difficult situation to put yourself in because once you get out on the other side, if you have a lot of debt, your option sets are limited. You do have to go get that job. You're not, you don't have the, you know, you don't have the freedom now to just, Kind of try and figure things out for a while. You have to go start earning money to pay back student loans. And so, my my first point is like, cut yourself a little bit of slack. You know, it, it don't you don't necessarily have to rule out college, but give yourself the freedom to get a little bit more clarity about whether that's the the right next step or whether you you understand what outcome you want first before you make right. that, that that huge financial decision. And then the other the other thing. This goes back to, to not having a clear idea of what you want is it's very difficult to prepare yourself for you know future employment or future opportunities when you don't have a clear idea of what skills you need or what skills you think you're going to need to, to do the things you're, you're interested in. And so that's why
0: mm-hmm.
1: whether you go to college or not, like start. Start accumulating some experiences that that give make you more employable. It could be waiting tables, washing dishes, it, it could be interning, whatever it is. Like start accumulating some experiences because those are going to help you understand what you're good at and what you like, but they're also going to give you those are going to give you some points whenever you start, you know, whenever you get out into the real world, you're trying to land that first career job. Employers, they want to see, they want to see work experience. They want to know that that you Know what it takes to show up on time and, and work hard and, and stay late. And so it's kind of that rub between keep your option sets open and and like don't mortgage your future before you know what you want to do. And two, like start preparing yourself for that future by by getting things that are just going to be universally valuable. And then the last point is is once you have a clearer picture of what you want to do. That's when it's time to shift from that emergent strategy to a much more deliberate one. What's the best next use of my 12 months? Okay, if I, if I want to be, you know, I want to get a job in marketing, what are the, what things can I do over the next 12 months to prepare myself for that? Like, as you're experimenting, you should get a little bit more clarity. As you get clarity, you should double down and do the things that are going to help you get closer to that goal.
0: That's fantastic advice because it it sounds to me like you're getting warmer, you're getting colder. (laughs) Like that's (laughs) that childhood game that I think would serve people well. And it's like, okay, I did that. I have new information now. I get to make a new decision. Uh, Do not like, move in the other direction. And that's fine. That's new information. That's not failure. And it's really important to do that at any age and stage. But there are these pivotal moments when. at a number of ages, but certainly uh, for younger people, when you get to what feels like a crossroad yeah. and you know you step forward and and get the information that you need to make a more informed decision. So that's really great advice. Uh, let's see, the final thing I wanted to explore a bit, and it kind of piggybacks on what you just said, is what employers are looking for now that probably serves not only for the students with whom you work, but also those who find themselves unemployed, underemployed, furloughed because of the impact of COVID-19 on the economy. And so it's an opportunity to say all of the things that you just mentioned for a number of people, but what it looks like to reskill or upskill for what I call the web 3.0 world. Now that we have artificial intelligence, machine learning, that we're data driven, we're tech driven. I work yeah. in the blockchain and crypto space and, and so many of the jobs yeah, people are exploring today, didn't even exist five, let alone 10 years ago, yeah. for sure. So um, a lot of what you say resonates because it's about staying ready, mm-hmm. right? You're already hungry. Now you have to stay ready so that you have a leg up on the competition. And that focuses more on skills and credentials. I think of companies like Google, IBM, EY, that have now made college degrees optional. I yeah. loved college and that's fine for the as a lifelong learner but there are things that people can do to get ready even in this yep. moment. So let's talk about the future pre- preparing for the future of work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'll share some some thoughts in general from hiring managers both you know from working with them, from reading different studies and and there are some there are some skills that I think hiring managers definitely want to see in early employees today and and these are pretty table stakes skills but they're they're becoming more valuable. First baseline things like critical thinking is big. Like the, the ability to to be dropped into a, a situation or problem and and make good judgment about how to handle that. That's it, that's an invaluable trait in somebody that's that's looking for you know looking for opportunities today. Um other other table stakes things are written in verbal communication. Hiring managers wanna know that you're gonna you're gonna be a good ambassador of their brand when you're talking to customers or potential customers, or you're interacting with peers or partners, you know, or, or whatever they, they want to know that you can communicate. And also like, if you can, the more effective you can communicate, the more valuable you are to yourself and your, your own career, but also to a business. Um, another, another skill, and this is a broad skill. You can, you know, a lot of different ways to have this is just data analysis. You know, the ability to, to use Excel or, you know, an analytics tool and and look at data and interpret it and make decisions based off that data or draw correlations from that data. You don't have to be, you know, a a data scientist, but you should at least in this world be able to look at some data and make, you know, make some decisions based off of that. That's that's a really valuable skill set. So beyond those baseline things, here here's something that I think a lot of young people they that I a lot of young people that I've worked with at least, they they don't have a good understanding of of just how to sell their own skills. So the Mm -hmm. the ability to ability to pitch value to other people versus just passively apply for job opportunities. This is something that I've I've seen work over and over and over again is is using proof instead of paper. And what I mean by that is if you say you have a skill, you know, demonstrate it put together a portfolio that shows that you have those skills that is that lowers the burden of proof so much whenever you're out on the job right. market and you're said hey i know how to you know i know how to use excel i ha- i'm a designer i you know i'm a great marketer well what's a campaign you've run what's something you've created like that proof makes it a lot easier to get somebody to trust your ability to do the things that you say you can do and i think that that's something that if you go out on the job hunt And you figure out a way to put the proof out there and pitch the value you can create for for a business instead of just applying and hoping that they pick you out of a stack of resumes, you're going to like that is a skill set that you can use to win opportunities for yourself over and over and over again in your career.
0: That's perfect. Perfect. How can people stay in touch with you, learn more about your services and your work? Uh, I know you also have, I think I was remiss in not mentioning your podcast. So please uh, share that information. I will drop links to everything in the show notes as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, I I, I regularly blog at MitchellEarl.com. You can check out more about Praxis, which is a college alternative for entrepreneurial young people that results in a guaranteed full-time job. It's discoverpraxis.com. And then we've got a new podcast out called Self-Directed. You type in Self-Directed in any major podcast player, um, YouTube, you can find that, uh, find that there. It is a podcast all about how to build a life and career on your own terms. I'd love to, love to, uh, love to have you listen and, and feel free to drop me a line anytime at Mitchell at discoverpraxis.com.
0: Mitchell, I'm so excited about the work that you're doing. I think that you're making a, a definite impact on students to really connect fulfillment to work that is really going to change the trajectory of their lives. I'm going to pretend that I'm 22 again and take some of your advice <laughs> and uh, keep, keep up the great work. Uh, and I'm, I'm so glad that we're in contact.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Tanya. This has been fun, and I I appreciate you having me on as well and the work you're doing.
0: Mitchell's belief that it's difficult to find real success unless you prioritize fulfillment is the absolute truth. I'm telling you what I know. Successfully earning a great income, building wealth, mastering a skill, earning a credential, those are all crazy important, no doubt about it. But ultimately, the intrinsic achievements of making a difference, following your passions and using your talents. That's where true fulfillment and peace are found. As we all hit the reset button on 2020, we have the opportunity right now to evaluate everything and everyone in our lives. This is your opportunity to reimagine where you want to be one, five, 10 years from now and beyond. Plant the seeds of fulfillment today And then get really excited for what awaits you in the future, within and all around you. Your future is now. All right. Speaking of now, that's all for now. Until next time, continue to shine. Stay in touch with host Tanya Evans via your favorite social media. On Twitter at at Tech Intersect and on Instagram via the handle Tech Intersect. This podcast has been produced by Stephanie Renee for Soul Sanctuary Incorporated.